0: go to 11. Once again, in the house, Greg Dutcher. Greg in, the, in, the
1: movie, in the movie house. In the movie house, now. that's right. I am um, I could talk about movies all day.
0: And that's what we're going to do for yes. the next hour. We are going to talk about movies. Awesome. And helping us do that today, we have a friend of mine, Nathan Bartlebaugh. Is that how you say your last name, Nathan? It's close enough. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Bartleball. Bartleba- Bartleball. Dude, that is awesome.
2: Bartleball? Yeah, it's a German Dutch, or that's what I've been told. Okay, it's not Japanese. <laughs> I don't know why it, it sounds
1: like a character in a Dickens novel or something, doesn't it? I need to get a, a book written <laughs> that's just right. so that name can you go. You do, up on the... yes, yes. And uh, what's your middle initial? W. That's perfect, man. Uh, N W yeah. Bartleball, Yeah. dude. Yeah. That is Tolkien you got Lewis it made. Sweet,
0: <laughs> love it. Um, and Nathan, just tell us a little bit about yourself. We are going to be talking about movies. You are a movie critic. Um, so just give us a little bit of background. Um, tell us a little bit about your family and then what you do, and we'll kind of go from there.
2: Yeah, so um, my family, like right now, I have my immediate family, my wife and uh, two young children, three and one. and. That's uh that's changed the, the landscape <laughs> of the movie viewing a little bit. Uh, I'm a member of the Washington D.C. Film Critics Association. Uh, during the day, I'm a training designer, but uh, side job, I am a movie critic. I've uh, kind of freelance done for several different websites. Uh, my website, Pop Culture Ninja, is mm-hmm. coming back up. i uh, have had it for a few years, and we're kind of resurrecting that. You can get my reviews also at the uh, Baltimore Movie Examiner. So I've been doing that for a few years. My my background growing up, we were big into to movies. Uh, my my dad was a big influence in that regard. And for a while there, he had a kind of second job as a video store clerk, and mm-hmm. I kind of picked that up as well and did mm-hmm. that for a little while. So uh, kind of an interesting background. It, it it makes you aware of of movies in a in a different way. Uh, sure. Exposes you to a lot of things, both good and bad. <laughs> uh, but it, it it was interesting.
1: So, did you work as a video store clerk at some point, Nathan? Yes, for a little bit of wow. time.
2: Uh, not it. It was a mom and pop store, which mm-hmm. made it a little bit seedier than your your average <laughs> <Gotcha>. like blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a movie in there itself. Wow, gotcha.
1: wow! I'll tell you, man. I don't know if you guys. I miss video stores. I understand they're they're all but extinct. Yep. But I just remember um, early '80s, mid '80s, going to Errol's Video. Yes. And I remember, like, literally, you would you would circle around the little cart uh, like vultures. Yeah. The,
2: the new attack. release cart coming back, right? Yes. yes, yes. You got someone sharpening their knives, like, waiting for a crocodile done Yeah, exactly. It was.
1: You know, we're waiting for, like, I'm with Matt Smith, Rocky Four like, yeah. when it's coming out. And you were just pushing and shoving. And there, you felt accomplished going to a video store, man. My dad would come out,
2: we got Predator. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> That's I mean. Now that's it's weird. Awesome. Like anything you want, you just order it.
2: I think that's why he finally took the job, so he yeah. could put it yeah. under the <laughs> It's Like it's not going on the card tonight, boys. <laughs> that's,
0: right. that's right. Hasn't it's been returned ours. yet. It's all yeah, ours. No, no, no. Um, so um, you work for the Washington. Uh, what no, I'm, your-
2: I'm just uh, associate. So the Washington okay. D.C. Film Critics Association is essentially made up of a lot of different critics that write for for a lot of different places so mm-hmm. there are several in there that are just internet film critics mm-hmm. um there are some on there that are part of uh, other you know that are freelance some of them right even for like you know uh, roger Ebert, com now mm-hmm. which is like kind of like a, uh, a a melting pot of a lot of different critics now that yeah. roger ebert's passed on uh i know there's a couple people on there that have written Written things for him and whatnot, so
0: very cool. Um, today we're gonna we we kind of broke up our segment into three different genres of movies just to talk and riff and kind of get some ideas on. Um, we're gonna be discussing superhero movies. We're gonna be discussing war movies, and uh, we're gonna be discussing uh, the ever-growing faith-based Christian movies. Um and that one once we had decided we were going to end up doing that uh, Nathan kind of groaned yeah. at that one like oh really we're going to do that
1: yeah I was just going to ask can can you call those movies <laughs> I'm sorry I'm getting ahead of ourselves <laughs>
0: you played
2: my hand early yeah you know, <laughs> they can prepare themselves yes um, uh, but
1: and, and of course we mean to offend none of our listening that's, audience that's
0: right we would never no. ever do that
1: we will seek to be very gentle. We'll
0: see. <laughs> How many times have we been gentle yeah. on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh Nathan, go ahead and just um talk to us a little bit. Um before we get into that though, we do wanna we do wanna kind of get into some of um the more um, pressing questions as a believer, because you are a believer, um you go to church uh, just down the road here, um Long Green, Longview? Long Green. Mm-hmm. Long Green. Mm-hmm. Um and so as a believer Tell us how you decide what movies you 're going to go to so let's start there i mean because i 'm sure yeah. i'm sure you get all sorts of invites to all sorts of different movies great question um, how How do you make those decisions and and that
2: is a good question uh, and being that I am not a full time film critic, I do get to choose which mm-hmm. movies to go to and which not to uh, and, and answering that question, I think too there's a there's a there's a sense of Wanting to answer this in a way that, that someone can hear and not feel, you know, that there's not judgment here. I only go to this sort of movie sure. and I would never see this sort of movie. And for me personally, that's not quite the way that I go about it. Uh, for me, there's the same sort of weighing and observing things that I do with anything else. and we, Which is sort of when we walk into a situation and as believers and even just as people, we do have values and we have... Uh, Lots of different things That come into play When we make decisions All the decisions that we make And really I think When you come to a film One of the things I probably uh, That is sort of difficult Is I don't ever uh, There's tons of information That come out about movies All the time And it feels like We spend most of our time On the internet now Trying to ascertain Every piece of information So we are not surprised In the least (laughs) When we walk into the theater I really try to do the opposite And Lots of times, some of the movies I see, even though I'm seeing all the the brand new movies or have the opportunity to see all the, the brand new big Hollywood movies, mm-hmm. there are a lot of movies that are just coming to me via a screener link and maybe a synopsis and maybe I've heard of them and mm-hmm. maybe I haven't. And some of these films aren't even coming through the rating system. Mm-hmm. I have individual people sometimes sending me their, their short film or their movie that they've made and it doesn't have distribution yet. So I, I have no idea what I'm getting when I click right. that link. And I think that on On one level, there is that element, the very basic element of i don't want to do anything to compromise those things that I believe and hold dear, mm-hmm. and there's a level too that and every person's going to be different if there's something that you really struggle with mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that necessarily avoiding it all altogether but not putting in your putting yourself in a place where you're constantly absorbing something that is a source of temptation for you, and that mm-hmm. may sound like i'm I'm pinpointing a specific kind of a, a film or a specific mm. kind of story Or a specific kind of thing But n- not really Because I think it's going to be different for everybody I mean, there are going to be people That are not going to be so affected by some things right. um, There's a question you have to ask yourself When you're totally f- like You want to avoid every sensuous element of a movie But you're totally fine watching as much gore right. and, mm. and violence as you can take in. For me, strangely enough I you know grew up with a kind of very acerbic Sort of sarcastic sense of humor mm-hmm. And the dark side of that Is it can become It can very easily flow into being a mean sense of humor, and so for me, you know, something that I tend to balk away from is really not not even comedies that are, say, raunchy or (laughs) you know, gross-out humor. I have a high tolerance for that, but rather movies that are truly mean-spirited. Because to me, that just sort of like when I find I'm when someone set up a character, Mm -hmm. whether it's to be killed or to be an object of you know arousal, or they're just there to be sort of slapped around and knocked around, I think that's the point where we're moving from someone telling a story and using the tools to tell the story, and you're really now experiencing something that is really just sensory, and it's encouraging you in something that sticks around, I think. I I think, you know, for me, I'm now sort of, even though I maybe am not talking to a real person, I'm not running a real person down, I'm sort of participating in that mean-spirited, and I think that goes, you know... Across the board for a lot of different experiences. If you find you're really getting into this, you know, connecting with it, with the violence or whatever, then you might have to take a step back. Yeah. But I think at the same time, for me personally, I don't sort of have this uh, thing where I look at the rating and automatically, you Decide, know, say, okay, no. I'm not yeah. doing that. Um, there are elements that have been in movies where if they're used in the right way and the story is being told for me personally, I, you know, I'm taken all the way through and I'm like, okay, I see how these things were used and how they were put together. Uh, one thing I will say is I think that now in our culture, because there is such a glut of information that comes in and such a glut of opportunities for people to put stuff out there, a lot of stuff gets put out there, a lot of stuff more than there was in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think that you do have to be discerning, um... But at the end of the day, and, and maybe I should have said this from the start, you know what my real measuring stick is't it's really now since i've not since I've had kids, but I would say it this way if I'm walking out the door to go to a movie,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I would want it to be now obviously there's going to be movies that are appropriate for my son right mm-hmm. now, these three there's going to be movies that are appropriate mm-hmm. for him when he's six right, and many of the movies I'm going to aren't going to be appropriate for him yet, mm-hmm. but if I'm walking out the door, I want to be able to Say, hey, I'm on my way to a movie that you can't watch yet, but you could watch one day. If I'm mm-hmm. headed out to something that I would never want him to, you know, ever to put in watch. front of his yeah, eyes, yeah. if I want, if I can't tell my wife what movie I'm going out to yeah, watch when point. I leave the house, great point. Then I'm just going to make the decision not to because it's personally, you know, sure. I may not even figured out why that's an issue. Sure, but I'm just going to say, you know, it's not really worth it. Sure. And um and it's happened. Sure. Uh, I get. I feel like in my. Inbox regularly i 'm getting you know the big thing that I get a lot of in terms of people wanting to watch watch my watch movies want me to watch their movies is uh like young people that have made a movie for the first time and almost nine times out of ten this always ends up being a horror film because they 're almost the cheapest thing to <laughs> <Right>. make <Yeah. laughs> they 're the most um, sure they' they're a genre that 's instantly palatable because you can throw it out there and people are going to Digest it. And and in these days of the paranormal activities and these mm-hmm. movies that are made on like a small hunk of change, uh-huh. uh, the found footage genre and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. right, right. You get so much of that. And I'm actually not opposed to horror. I, I, I like horror in concept more than I do in most of its execution. Sure, uh, No pun intended there. But there's a lot of movies that come through that are literally, as far as I can tell, just the sensory, but just the maiming, just the violence, just like I, – I got an email once from a guy that said, I can guarantee – I have – been told by many people that this has the most graphic decapitations and disembowelments that oh. you will ever see. And I was <laughs> hey. like,
1: can't wait, man. Yeah, right. Wow. So I wrote back,
2: the guy said, like, between you and me, it's probably going to be better if I don't review your movie. Sure. I'm not going to watch it. And, yeah, you know, sure. uh, good luck. <laughs> right. Wow. Right. Wow. So, you know,
1: it's what you say there, Nathan, about, um, I think it's an astute observation that it's not, because I've had some people occasionally say to me. Um, like we've talked about Breaking Bad on this yep. uh, podcast a lot, which I enjoyed greatly. I've Had some people say to me, "Would you let your children watch this?" Said, of course not. I would never let my little kids watch Breaking Bad. It's but someday right. I'm comfortable yeah. if if it's not affecting them, right. making them want to be violent, something with them watching it. But there's a lot of things, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't let my children drink wine. Right. I would it beca- But someday, I think right. that's that, that's a helpful point. Um, this uh, was driven home for me. You know, I, I've loved watching. Uh, we were talking about the Flash before mm-hmm. we sort of went yep. live tonight. The, the 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 CW version. My son Ben is twelve. Loves it. Mm-hmm. So it became a real bonding thing for me and him. Uh, the past three or four weeks of the summer, mm-hmm. we'd watch an episode or two each night. You know, we just watch it on Apple TV, go through it, have a good time. Um, I would not let him watch Daredevil. Yeah, I did, personally, I yeah. mean, and that, I'm not saying other parents would. He is very sensitive and Daredevil, which I enjoyed greatly, right. is a lot darker than The Flash. Right. right. So I I think we're making those. So decisions. maybe in
0: several years where yeah. he's, you know, a little older and he has a better uh, handle and grasp yeah. on life and, you know, fantasy reality and yes. these things are, are more clearly defined for him. Yeah, sure, it's a show you could go back together and watch. But at this stage in his life, no, I no, don't, I don't want him watching a guy get decapitated.
1: No. Well, dude, I was just thinking—we were talking about decapitations. Without giving too much away, of right. Marvel's Daredevil, the scene where Vincent D'Onofrio's character exacts some vengeance on a guy—yes, that With would car door. Know, that would affect my twelve-year-old for a long time. Yeah, that would absolutely. bother him. There was nothing on the Flash that bothered him, right? You know, I mean, there were some things that are intense. Mm-hmm. Grodd, the gorilla—you know—we were talking about. Kind of intense, kind of intimidating, but that's not going to bother him. It has that element of fantasy. The, the car door scene in Daredevil, I mean, wow. That'll stick with you.
2: And arguably, I think they are made for two different audiences. I guess. You know, yes. Yes. No yes. Yeah, no doubt. No
1: doubt. No doubt.
0: Now, Nathan, let me ask you this. Um, when, when you were reviewing a movie um, – how much of that movie are you looking at in terms of what you're viewing through through the lens of a believer in terms of the morality and things like that? And what are you looking at stylistically? Because I'm sure that there are, there are movies that you would go and see or you have seen where you're like, yeah, I'm not down with the message that's going into this movie or or the things that you talked about where it's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't want my kid to watch this. But you know what? that was really well done. Mm. Um, And so when you are reviewing a movie, how much are you kind of breaking up how well a story is done and portrayed versus a message that's going across versus um, some of the other elements of that?
2: And I think that's an interesting question. And I think that realistically there's got to be a a combination of you're looking at style because – uh, really, you've got tons of people out there, and even someone who isn't trained and hasn't gone to film school or something like that. If you've watched a lot of movies, in a sense, you've you know. Uh, Tarantino talks about how he got most of his film knowledge and his <laughs> his understanding of how things work, and he obviously applies them very well, like by working at the video store. You know, yeah, the same kind of, of background. Uh, so there's that, but if that's all you can ever do is sort of talk about something stylistically, I, I think you do have to get into the meat of how it weighs with you and how. Uh, what it's doing. Now, I will say that I don't write reviews from a Christian perspective in the sense of a very self-aware sort of applying it to Mm -hmm. these rules of maybe a conservative Christian. Mm -hmm. However, and I think, and this I'm sure we'll get into later, I think that for me the real thing is is when we come to anything that we do, our faith is a part of us. And we should be comfortable being able to express that without sort of making it a a signpost so that everything is narrowed this way. Sure. Because I think the minute I became a quote-unquote Christian film critic, I would no longer, in some cases, have the audience of everybody else who I who I also want to be able to share things right. with. And But however, that still should come through, I believe. Mm-hmm. If you are an author or a filmmaker, I don't think you necessarily have to make a Christian book or a Christian movie, but your belief should support and structure... Mm-hmm what you're doing. And oh, you should right. still be able to do... At the end of the day, it should not compromise it. Sure. But I think that... Uh, but the other part of that is how much of, like you say, the value. and you're looking at a movie, and even if it's spectacularly well done, what is it really saying? And what is the undercurrent that goes into it? And I think that really... Uh, it's harder in shorter reviews when you're kind of doing the review of the latest movie. But I think it's really foundationally what makes a good critic or makes somebody interesting. And I'm pretty sure most film critics that are out there now could say the same thing I'm about to say, which is I was, you know, growing, I was heavily influenced by Siskel and Ebert and everybody. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. oh, there's yeah. nobody that doesn't know them. But <laughs> right. if you were to go back even now and watch like their YouTube videos them together, they were very interesting because first off, they brought the idea of criticizing a film as something that anybody can, you know, that when you watch a movie, you shouldn't, you know, you can make critical judgments about it. You can choose to see this movie or that movie Mm -hmm. and that there are movies that are good and bad. And both of those guys, you know, they never thought they were the, they were wrong, you know, Um, and that was part of their shtick. But the other interesting thing about them that I really remember is that they were not, even though... If if we were to to look it up, you would find that many times they are ranting against the MPAA and Mm -hmm. and defending films like Pulp Fiction and other movies. But at the very same time, if you were someone who ever followed them, both of those guys at different points would object to films on really they probably wouldn't have said this way, but what would be a moral ground or a value judgment. Uh, Siskel particularly would talk about how this movie, you know, it is demeaning to women in a way that goes beyond you know, it's not just that it's happening in the film, but the film seems to be behind it. The film, yes. in a sense, is subtly supporting it. Yes, uh, a horror film, he would be okay with it. But if it pushed too far, and it seemed to be doing something simply for the sake of exploiting, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's funny because they would go back and forth. Right. You know, uh, Roger would take time to like bash something like Blue Velvet or Clockwork Orange, and then Cisco would be like, well, "What's wrong with it? you know?" And then it would be back and forth. So right. I think they took different times to be the sort of mortal, right? But. What was interesting about that, I think, is that they did, there was a point there that just because this is done well doesn't necessarily mean it means that it is good. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean that just because, which I think is something some critics have gotten away from, particularly maybe more of our our younger generation, is that if this movie is doing something, it's doing it really, really well, it doesn't really matter what the message is, it doesn't matter how violent it is. Or how nihilistic it is. Because it was supposed to be nihilistic. It's supposed right. to be an exercise right. in debasement. So why are you complaining about it? You're missing the point. However, you have to question. You know, there are a lot of movies out there where it seems like there's a lot of reviewers who seem to come into these movies. It's, it's, it's a dare. How much can I really take? And how how open-minded am I? How much can mm-hmm. I really absorb? And I'm not... I don't think that that really makes for very interesting criticism because it just, again, it becomes this thing where all I'm looking at is the style and the effectiveness of how it's done, right. and I'm not looking at anything larger than that. I'm, I'm not someone who really thinks movies make people violent. I think movies or or anything else for that matter, but movies are represent, representative of the way people think, the way right. you know we think about things, the creative ways that we express ourselves, and can it be tapped in? Can people tap into that and have negative experiences with? Absolutely. I think, and culturally there can be. I, I think it would be, people might be surprised by the kinds of movies that I would actually have an issue with because for me, I'm I'm, I'm more concerned uh, not so much about things that are very visceral and in your face up mm-hmm. front. Uh, they can be disgusting. They can be sort of aggressive and sometimes it's easier to avoid those. I'm much more concerned about the subtle things mm-hmm. that come through... Films that are really largely popular. This goes yeah. all the way down to children's films. Sure. Uh, the messages that come into children's films, uh, Disney films, honestly, sure. uh, the Twilight movies were something I was you know, really against. Not just because I didn't think they were particularly fine movies, right. but if really underneath it, that there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff there that correlates to a worldview right. that people have that actually affects their lives, and that's yeah. that's where I tend to go more than uh, you know. A movie where somebody cuts twenty three people in half. Right, okay, right. you know, does that correlate to violence? I don't know. But the worldview of of young women viewing that this sort of like almost abusive, Stalker-ish, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, the 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 character in Twilight would be a horrible, unhealthy relationship yeah, in real life, and yet point. it's something that is sort of a, you know aspired to, and oh, the no woman doubt. has all these reasons for wanting to be with him, and you know. Uh, but in real life, that would be a totally unhealthy relationship. Sure, you right. would look at that and say, "I would never want my daughter or my sister right. or someone like that in a relationship like this." And yet, that's the reason. But that's the reason the people are going. That's the re- that's the kind of impetus behind the movie. It's You're supposed right. to be a great romance, and I'm I don't see it. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let me uh, go out of order here a little bit, Nathan. Yeah, see, absolutely. Um, because of something you said was interesting cuz you had asked I should I can't even say Nathan B <laughs> <laughs> Dude Bell and Bartleball you guys are messing me up man You can just um, call me
0: by my last name yeah, for this one Greg
1: Yeah for yeah for now on Bell you are for whom the bell tolls That's right The um you had said something uh critic Nathan that was interesting that um, the uh it's it's you know it's not just uh, the style uh, it's not just how well the movie is done but you are factoring the overall feel or message of the movie, I think rightly so. Would you say that the – I never know if it's converse or inverse or both. This, to me, gets into Christian movies. I know I'm going a little out of order where I will see a movie that a number of Christians – you've got to see this movie. It's so good. It's so good. What I think is they're so happy that the message of the gospel or this Christian principle is so blatantly portrayed that they're saying it's a great movie, and I always feel guilty. Say it's a crappy movie. I mean, it's little more than a video track. Is is how I feel about it. It's like, yeah. hey, we want to communicate this message on Christian marriage or salvation by faith or hope for the lost people. Well, that's admirable. I sometimes I wish people would do that just through personal evangelism, right? Um, because I think it would be better. But as a movie, the acting stinks. The writing stinks. The filmography stinks, so it seems like you can go wrong on both counts, that you can, hey, I'm going to have a great message, Uh, it's going to be solid, it's going to be focused, and uh, therefore a number of Christians in this case seem to think it's awesome, because the message was so clear, and I'm like, but that's not a good film. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on
2: that, Nathan. I think we've officially made that the first. uh... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah there's there's an interesting point that you made there uh which is probably the easiest one to notice outset when we talk about christian films or what's becoming known as the faith-based mm-hmm. like audience that uh that's out there and and these films you're right in most cases they're not very well made they don't necessarily have the the best actors or the best stories and many times they are really just simply a a hook upon which they've watched other popular secular films and taking a couple components mm-hmm. here, a couple components there, a few plot twists or plot developments, and kind of mashed them all together, usually very generic, easy-to-do thing. You know, you've got the act where eventually the person's going to come to their faith, and everything's going to be good for them, and, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's perfect and not like a human experience at all. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> But in that, too, the other part of that is, like you said, that the message is very blatant, usually, mm-hmm. and the Christians are often happy that, oh, there's just a message of salvation out there. And, and I'm, I'm sure we can kind of explore this, but one of the things I find is that the message in the film is, again, in order to get it out there, isn't really much of a message at all most of the time. It is usually this message of, well, you need to believe, and now that you're a believer, these are the good things that you have, and now you're saved. And that's not that's not really going to connect, I think, mm-hmm. like, except through a miracle, right. uh, with someone. their 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 hypothetical audience is supposed to be the non-believer, I guess, because that's who would want to hear this very simplified uh, message. And it really reduces our faith, which is a very rich thing. And yeah. each of us, e- even the people making this film, have had a very specific experience with their faith that isn't what they're representing. Right. What they're representing is, you know, uh, so watered down, so... Uh, Often looks flimsy and often looks very judgmental. Sometimes sure. not necessarily purposefully, but it comes across that way yeah. because what they have is a bunch of straw man characters. You know, the character is going to get saved because this writer said so. That you know, and and a person sees that that's not reflecting any sort of real truth right. to a, sure. a non believer. So the movie has really not been made for a non believer at all. It's been leached of all any kind of violence, any kind of sensuality. And I'm not saying these are things that make a good movie, but they've, they've basically sanitized it. So a Christian audience can watch it. Yes, mm-hmm. and so they really made they, they they're just preaching to the choir. I agree. And that choir is not getting any nourishment from it either. It's not it's not providing a really um interesting or even I think the the, the main thing here is compelling and thought provoking mm-hmm. because I think if you can provoke thought and discussion mm-hmm. with anybody yes. that regardless of of your faith, it's going to be a richer experience and potentially a better experience. You are engaging them with thought. And most of these movies feel, they they don't feel like thought. They really feel, and this is trying to temper what I'm saying here, but they feel to me like franchise, you know, and that's one of the dangers I think with, with modern churches to franchise things. And these things, um, if we can name names here, you know, like the, the movie fireproof was a movie that surprisingly I was, kind of offended by like when I actually watched it interesting and there were, there were two reasons and one of those uh have you guys yeah you know, I, don't sure know, know. I guess we can spoil this yep. uh in the movie there is you know it, the only reason we really ended up seeing it some friends brought over oh you really need to watch this and yeah it was kind of just coming into the the movie review thing and and the one thing about the, the the critics is they don't screen these movies for us they they know the audience it doesn't you don't ever except with some of the bigger ones like uh heaven is for real and stuff like that right. they don't they don't right. screen these things for critics and so we sat down we watched it and there apparently this this movie comes with a book you know and yes, yeah. the book is in the movie like it's the like love the most dare. like right yeah. and he's like the love dare it's like you're advertising it would be like right. advertising like a you know, a weight loss, you know, we're now right. back at like the wizard from the 90s right. with the kid playing the Nintendo <laughs> right, games. I right. so, like I have more fun with right. that one. Right. But like, you know, it's, it's 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 now pushing a specific book that it's not even the Bible. It's the right. love there, right? right? The guy's not like go to scripture. It's like here's this book, you know, and you can buy it for 19.95 or yeah. attached to the back of this movie. Yeah. And so that first part is, you know, to me that comes off as, you know, really disingenuous. The other mm. characters in the movie, you've got the kind of like hip talk and block guy. you know like yeah, right. you've just reduced this guy to a complete caricature he is not there for anything else other than to spout little bits of wisdom and be hip and it's kind of insulting he doesn't even have a, a story arc he's just right. there
1: yeah
2: the biggest thing i thought that was that was really kind of mind blowing for me is this idea that what they're trying to get across is that uh you know in this marriage these people they just need christ mm-hmm. but they're, they're they're kind of jerks <laughs> you know right. at a, at a very basic level, just to begin with, you know the right. way they 're written they 're about as you know they 're as dysfunctional as you can get, and i don 't think many people are going to connect with them to begin with you yeah. know mm. uh, again, what a non is going to see is wow, you know you, I, this is me i 'm just a cartoon, but as right. soon as I get this i don 't think anyone 's going to look at that and say, you know my this is these are cracks and fissures that I have in my marriage because it was so over the top but I then agree. then uh the Kirk Cameron character's father is talking to him this whole time, and he's the he's the wise old man who brings the truth to him and the love there apparently, right. Right. Yeah. and gives him all of this stuff. And I just remember that through the film, Kurt, uh, Kirk Cameron, is, his character is going on about how you know he he expresses some bitterness towards his mother because she's the one who left the father, fo- you know, that was causing right. the rifts in their marriage earlier on, and. That she was the one that didn't want to work on it, and you know she had, had kind of walked away from it, we get to the end of the movie, and in an effort to have a in an effort to have a twist on the film, Kirk Cameron 's father basically says, "Oh, you know what, son? You know the truth of it is, it wasn't your mother who, was, who was, wanted to leave and had the problem. it was me, and she brought me back and i I sat there and thought, "So, basically this guy who's supposed to be the fount of wisdom, the Christian influence." It's just a jerk. He's allowed. <laughs> he's allowed his son to believe for all of his adult life, and knowing that it was a point of bitterness for him, that his wife yeah. was the cause of this problem, and it was him. And I just thought that's awful. Like yeah. if yeah. if nothing else had sunk this movie, that right there would because. And it's you know that's what people think, and I, I think people look at that and they're like, you know, well, what what is he saying here? He he was wrong. He the wife helped amend the relationship, and he didn't want you know. He, he pushed that away, and he was the guy that was responsible all along. And it's, it, but that's at the end of the movie, and it's supposed to be this wonderful sort of like warm coda. And I'm like, man, your dad's a jerk.
1: Right, right. <laughs> well, I think uh, what you said there, Nathan, it reminds me of – I heard somebody years ago use the phrase one-dimensionalizing. And in Christian films, many of them mm-hmm. that I've seen, well, the four or five that I've seen that I can stomach, it does seem that all the characters are one-dimensionalized. The believers are, they sort of have it together. The unbelievers are complete wrecks. Uh, And then at some point, you're just waiting for the scene where it's, you know, gee, Jan, how can I have this life of peace you have too? (laughs) Well, let me explain to you and give you these steps to peace with God or something
0: like that. Here are the four spiritual laws. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I was
1: in Crusade. We used to call them the flaws for short. (laughs) But I I would say the the, the thing that stands out to me, and I know maybe it's bad, but I – People today are used to an incredibly high level of production, writing that's good. And and to me, I just, I wouldn't want to bring, I'm being honest, an unbeliever to a campy, cheesy, cliched, poorly done film because it does seem so disconnected from real life. Plus, I don't think we're communicating on a subconscious level, a very good view of art uh, in terms of how Christians should approach it. And it, it just seems like entrapment to me sometimes. That's the, the feel I get, you know, that there's a bring this guy. So in uh, scene 79, uh, in the last, you know, 22 minutes of the film, we can get to the point where he hears the gospel. And I'm like, man, build a relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I'd rather go and talk about, um, you know, like, you know, Jurassic World with somebody and have a conversation where you connect. You think mm-hmm. this is cool and see where the conversation goes. Mm-hmm. So Christian movies, and I, I realized, listen, Anybody out there, a lot of people love fireproof. a lot of people in this church love fireproof mm-hmm. they 're great christians they're great people i I just put it out there that me personally right. cannot get past campy, cheesy, mm-hmm. poorly done storylines that are poorly acted that are incredibly one dimensional. Your point too about the the black character yeah is uh, almost insulting it 's like the guy sort of exists in a in a cabinet he 's brought out every few minutes to. Offer these pithy sayings And you're right No arc to his story His narrative Um, So I just think there's You know To me A good movie Isn't just good Because somebody Shares the gospel
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah I agree And essentially You almost have In some of these cases it's almost like an hour and a half chick track or something. Right, A little, right. A little less violent. Nobody gets eaten by demons <laughs> at the end. But um, no mandatory in, lake of fire. Right, right. In most cases. Yeah. And and yes, I I do realize that the people you know behind this mean well. And again, uh, it's not it's not uh, what I'm saying here, isn't extended to okay. If you've enjoyed this movie, that's totally sure. fine. But uh, I I do think, and I wish I could remember who had written this article, but I read an article recently, um. Uh, that was criticizing the Christian films and making the point, you know, I think sometimes as people of faith, we are hesitant to criticize things because we don't, you know, we, we, we kind of feel like, Oh, there's so much criticism of something like that out there already that we kind of want to hold back and we don't want to. Mm -hmm. And yet, In the terms of Christian art, we somehow come from the Sistine Chapel to left behind. Right, right. And and what exactly does that say? Sure. So I think—
1: Now, hold on, Nathan. Do you mean the Kirk Cameron version or the Nick Cage version? Because there's a qualitative (laughs) Uh jump. Wait, there isn't. Anyway. Yeah.
2: Uh, you might be able to watch the Nicolas Cage version with a bunch of non-believers and get some entertainment yeah. value out of that one. <laughs> um, th- I remember one year we were – it was a New Year's party and we turned the TV on. and I think there was a movie called Megiddo, Omega Code 2. Yeah. Oh. And, <laughs> and Arlie Ermy played the president of the United States. Oh and he goodness. had a line where he cocked his gun and said, the Lord give it <laughs> and the Lord take it yeah. away. <laughs> and uh, it was High, highly entertaining. But you yes. can look this one. I mean, it had full-blown devils and the, <laughs> oh, the end times, goodness. and it was all in like 10 minutes at the end, and Michael, wow. Michael York was in it. Oh, <laughs> oh that's that incredible.
1: Long. Yeah, because sometimes it's like, remember we were just talking about B-movies? Yeah. B movies? Yeah. You know, if it's a B-movie and proud of it, yeah, you can kind of make yeah. that work sometimes.
0: Well, and like, you know, you, you think of um, actors like Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell has made a career out of B-movies, and yeah. they are awesome. Right. Right. But but it's because Some some of them are awesome Well, okay, fair <laughs> enough Bruce Campbell is awesome Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was,
2: I saw him in uh, uh, Harbor East years ago He was doing a Scream of a movie He did uh, My Name is Bruce Yes And oh. he asked And he, he came out He was there with the film And he came out And he asked anybody Has anyone seen uh, I remember it was Alien Extermination Or Alien Apocalypse Or something And I was like I haven't He walks up And he hands me Like ten bucks oh. That ought to cover The chips and the rental price Of the film <laughs> Watching YouTube, I realized this is a shtick he did everywhere he went. But it was it was apt, and that is funny.
0: But well, and and, and let me just throw this out there um, because uh, I think Facing the Giants was the first movie that I Mm -hmm. saw that, as a package, I enjoyed that movie. Uh I thought it had uh, I thought it had cool humor in it. I mean, it was it was the you know. It kind of harkened back to me to like that Groucho Marx, like one-liner type humor. Um, There was good interaction with it. I thought there was good development with the main character in it and showing his struggle and moving on. Now, the one thing I will say is that you had the, the end of the story where everything kind of worked out well for him. And I think that's where Christians get hung up. And and even I struggle with this because I I like resolutions. Mm -hmm. I like nice resolutions to the heroes of the story. Um, You know, and, and, you know, Greg, you know, I've enjoyed the Daredevil um, series, and there isn't always nice resolutions. Yeah that go on at the end of those series. No, of course not. You know, and and I think that is one thing that the Christians ultimately long for and hope for in a movie is there is a resolution. There is something that is going to come out of this that is going to be good. And I know you and I struggle with this because we also enjoy the things that we're okay with there not being a nice, tidy bow around everything, that there's there's room left open for, you know, some... You know, mischief Or, yeah. you know, some evil that can creep back in And work its way through again
1: Yeah, yeah Whether that's uh, Jason rising out of the lake At, it, uh, yeah. you know, Camp Crystal Lake For the hundredth for time For the millionth <laughs> time Or the, uh, we talked recently I don't know if you ever saw this movie, Nathan It wasn't a huge famous movie that I remember It was called Arlington Road Yes With yeah. Jeff
2: Bridges and uh, uh, Tim, Rob- Tim Robbins, Robbins. Yeah. Um,
1: And that movie did not end in your typical... No. Good guy wins it all way. And I must admit, it's initially a little unsettling because yeah. you're, you're almost well, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't have the the bad guy win.
2: That's a that's a great example and I and I'd encourage, you know, if people are interested in thrillers. It's a pretty it's a pretty interesting thriller. I thought it was well not done. just in what happens, but in sort of everything that's going on in the mindset because it mm-hmm. is about something. And it sort of um and it brings up an interesting an interesting element is that there are there are there are filmmakers out there uh that that are making christian films quote unquote christian films and then I think there are filmmakers out there who you know through uh being a film critic and seeing films and kind of getting to know who who different filmmakers are there are filmmakers out there who also would rep, you know, would say, you know, I'm a believer, mm-hmm. but I'm making films that aren't necessarily, Would certainly would not be identified as a Christian film. Sure, sure. Now, I doesn't mean I necessarily agree with the messages or anything. It's just an interesting point. Right. A, a good example of that, in fact, the film that just came out this past week, which, uh, uh Sinister 2, this horror movie oh, yeah, with these yeah. creepy oh, yeah, death videos yeah, yeah. and everything, uh, the, the, I think the writer and he was the director of the first film, Scott Derrickson you know, represents himself. It talks about his faith and being a believer. He's done, he did The Exorcism of Emily Rose. He did one of the Hellraiser sequels in which he basically reconfigured the the pinhead characters as really like Judeo-Christian judges. And the Mm -hmm. the character, it was about sin and corruption and things like that. He did Deliver Us from Evil, which came out last summer. That was a a cop. And and in the first film, Sinister, it kind of goes that way of the idea that Evil sometimes is allowed to continue. Sometimes sure. evil does triumph, and sometimes we, by our choices, bring that evil into our home. And even when we repent of it, it may be too late to not experience the the, the ramifications on in our life. Even though we've we've gone beyond it, we can't necessarily expect that we're on the better road. But those the, the sins the, or the the things that we've done may have ramifications on our children. And it was a very dark film it was yeah. a little bit of an unsettling film uh i don't recommend the sequel but the first film for someone if you were a person who can who enjoys horror films i thought it was it was an interesting thing because you wouldn't have necessarily known that going into it but i think that what they were reflecting there in some ways is maybe feelings that the the people actually feel i, I think a person can watch sinister and be like you know i can kind of you know some of what's going on there the way this character is behaving the 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 egotism of the mm. Ethan Hawke character that puts his family in peril. Right. I can kind of relate to that. I don't mm. necessarily relate to the, you know, the, the characters of Flywheel and, and, right, and, right. uh, chasing the giants uh, th- that just, you know, they have a little bit of adversity and then they're good. And so if to ask me, and this is my own personal opinion, I, I, I question whether we should be making Christian movies at all, which oh, is to say yeah. a Christian movie seems to be that we'd have to have a person of faith being, you know, or, or someone being saved in it. Right. And, these elements, to me, aren't aren't interesting or stirring as a as a believer. Yeah. I don't think they're stirring or interesting to a non believer. Uh, mm-hmm. It's funny because people say, "Well, then, what Christian movie would you recommend?" And uh, I don't know mm-hmm. uh, a movie that comes to mind that I that I thought was very interesting from the perspective of evoking some thought about spiritual things, about kind of reflecting, you know, some of the things I feel sometimes as a Christian and a person who who you know. Doesn't who ask questions about sure. their faith? Yeah. Uh, did Did you got either one of you guys see the Tree of Life by no, Terrence uh, Malick? Uh, uh, Brad Pitt's mm. in that, right? Yeah, in, I didn't see it. I heard a lot about it. It's a very different movie from sure. the kind of movie you would feel. But you know, you and it isn't. Nece- I wouldn't call it a Christian film in the sense of Terrence Malick didn't make it to. Uh, proselytize to people he essentially is trying to capture what his childhood growing up in the 50s was like what it was and and each of these characters they speak to God in the movie and sort of you're seeing what it must be like for a kid of the Eisenhower you know era to fall asleep with like one hand on a science book and one hand on the Bible and you know when you have the creation of the universe with dinosaurs and the Big Bang and over this, you have people pleading with God to reveal himself to them in the same way that Job speaks. And you you see the plesiosaurus on the beach bleeding, and you're like, oh, it's who can draw out Leviathan and hear yeah, the right. things, you know. But none of these things are – these are all part of an experience of watching what's really like a piece of art. And yeah. some people – find it boring. Some people got up by that screening and left. Some people right. are like, dinosaurs, we're out.
1: Interesting. And
2: uh, the dinosaurs, I admit, aren't there for titillation to eat people, so you right. may want to take that into consideration. <laughs> yeah. and, you, and you may get nothing out of it, but to me, this was a person that was examining their faith, asking questions, sure. presenting how people may actually speak to God. And I think making a film like that puts... The concept of faith—at least—is is something to have a real discussion about. Yeah. If a person is rejecting it, they can have that discussion with you. They—they they are also—I I feel like discussions like that aren't meant for tracks or for or for movies, for that right. matter. They're part of our regular relating with mm-hmm. people, and not yeah. that we're out—that we just share it not because uh, you're trying to rack up a number here, but because sure. you want to share who you are as you get to know people and form relationships with people they're going to impact yeah. on you you're going to impact on them and i think that that's, that can happen over movies mm-hmm. i i just think that this particular method doesn't really i don't i don't really find it effective and i think yeah. in a lot of ways it's doing the opposite yeah. because what people are seeing it really only reinforces everything they're seeing with the conservative sure. talk shows and things like sure. this that mm-hmm. that build these things up they're not seeing anything uh real i don't believe yeah and movies are fantasies this is the other thing to consider that all movies, at some level, are a fantasy, many times even documentary film, mm-hmm. because it's never truth. It's truth filtered through the eyes of whoever's making yeah. it. Yeah, agreed. And yeah. so we have to ask ourselves, why are we packing into theaters to see movies where non believers are represented as bad people who make bad life decisions, who are angry, grumpy people? G- God's Not Dead is a great example. Every non believer in that is either completely clueless or a genuinely bad person, right. Right. and and in some cases a very bad person. The, yeah. in, and let, yet, in my life, when I encounter non-believers, they are not many times from an outward perspective sure. they're no different than sure, us. And yeah. and the truth is, with the exception of you know the obvious, they aren't different. And right. that's the problem. Right. This idea of this difference. Right. And in these movies, the Christians come in and they they're persecuted terribly, and then they rise to the occasion. What if somebody made the movie where the Christian goes to school? And guess what? The non-believers are more generous than he is. Right. They are more, they are, yeah. they have more values than he is. That's the movie that's going to really, you know, right. cause some discussion. Yeah, but that's, absolutely. you're not, so we have to ask ourselves if, if movies are a reflection of a fantasy or the way we want things to be, sure. what do these movies really say about, about faith it's and people really who believe? That's
1: interesting point, Nathan. I will say, because um, I know we're, to wrap up, first of all, there's got to be a part two. Oh, yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll talk to you about that, Nathan. Even if you can't get over here to call in or something, because like we haven't gotten a war movie, superhero right. movies, but <laughs> I know that, that's okay. I um loved, I don't know if you did or not, and it's fine if you didn't, but years ago, 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, uh, Robert Duvall did a movie the called Apostle. The Apostle, just about yeah. the men, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I loved about the movie is, I mean, you talk about a flawed. Character.
2: You ever see a preacher beat a man like that? That's I know. A Line from the <laughs> yeah. film. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Which was uh, which was Billy Bob Thornton, yes, yes. you know, who shows up to basically move him out of his church. And I remember he goes out there and he, you know, you kind of everybody's peering through the window and he's beating the stuffing out of Billy Bob Thornton in the field. And of course, he comes back. Now I know, I know the good book says so turn the other cheek, but I, I'm not going to let him. take my church. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, Duval's portrayal, uh, uh, that was I mean, I thought he was so good at capturing this sort of Pentecostal holiness preacher. What I liked about the movie is I don't think, as, as flawed as he was, I think he was sincere. Mm-hmm. He was a deeply troubled man. But if you remember, I mean, I'm giving it away, but the very right. last scene of the movie.
2: Fantastic last scene of the wasn't movie. Wasn't it yeah. where
1: he's preaching kind of on the chain gang? Yeah. Everybody is like, who's the only one that can make a person whole again? And Jesus, who's the only one that's ever going to come up against you and be there when nobody else is? Jesus, and he's got this whole thing. He's a sincere believer. The way he is portrayed,
2: he is sincerely flawed. But and they leave these rough edges in there that he is. They don't. They don't even show him overcoming. No, all they don't. Of them. It, it, in fact, the really the kind of point is that you see. Um, God really working through him despite everything which is what you see in scripture really right. realistically <laughs> right. and there's a scene in that movie that's really kind of amazing it he just starts he is yelling at God in the middle you know I the remember. middle of the night he 's just done something that he irrevocably re- 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 can 't take back, and ultimately yeah. he can 't run away from, and he's yelling he 's like, "Well I, I love you, but i 'm mad at you and and you get that and you see that in, in movies, but the interesting thing is the landlady downstairs Who's are you're, scre- yeah. you're screaming what are you doing you yeah. know it, it's making the point that he looks crazy it's, it's true. outside yeah. Yeah. and he you know he makes concessions for his lust and all these other things, and yeah. he's just he 's presented that way, and yet I think you're right that most of the times in films, uh, the, the the Christian characters are presented with some sort of agenda. We want them to look bad, right? Or they're they're either the one note saints, mm-hmm. uh, or they are the one note bad guys. And it's funny because lots of times it's the horror genre that still gives uh, any Christian characters any sort of like uh, agency. You know, the, yeah. the the priest comes in and defeats the demon right? Or right that like right. that. That's a good but,
0: point, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go ahead and. Um We are going to wind down now, but Nathan, we really do want to have you back on because this has been uh, so much fun talking to you. Great, fun. You know, if people could see in the studio, Greg and I are just riveted by what you're saying because we're totally down with movies and, um, you know, getting your perspective has been so much fun and so great. It has. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: So we're going to go ahead and sign off now. And uh, Greg, Nathan, we just rocked the Caspa
2: Hollywood style. These
1: go to eleven.